to the free associates. That's right, folks, the free associates, the freedom of association. That like very powerful freedom to associate with anybody or anything or any idea that comes our way. Because you, you want to know why? Because freedom is just an awesome means by which to get further and to understand things better and to share ideas and to try to calm ourselves down as we move through all kinds of life's difficulties. I don't really believe that there's any batch of words so profound or powerful in of themselves that they can't be entertained. And so that's what we try to do on the show. We try not to get into the political minutia of American politics or anything like that, but to try to take a broad view on what's next, you know, what's possible. Um, and we enter these conversations as non-experts and we leave the conversation as non-experts and we don't particularly know what the answer is, either coming and going, and that's okay because it would be impossible to know these answers, but it's possible to discuss them. And so that's what we do. And as you may know, if you're listening, you're either listening on Facebook Live or you're listening on WMUA Amherst. Uh, and we rebroadcasting the day after our Facebook Live thing. You'll know that we've been looking at uh, possible predictions or predictions about COVID-19, a political article that's laying out uh, about 25 predictions. And this person's saying, well, it's going to reduce polarization or it's going to lead to patriotism. You know, these were things that came out really right as COVID was coming out. And so these were a bunch of different writers who were asked. This is our card. I was thinking I could kind of try to hypnotize you guys. Hold on now. I'm going to, oh, now you are my, I am hypnotizing you guys. Wow. And you, you will listen to every word I say, and you will do exactly what I do. Go to PayPal, find the free associates, and give me all your money. Waylon, how you doing, pal? Ooh, good. How's it going, man? Good, man. You know, it's it's okay. Like I'm a little yeah, bit in the yeah. in the mire, and you know, it's a little bit cold and wet. But um, you know, uh, I just I snuck in on my kids through the back door, and they were eating chocolate. So I had a long conversation <laughs> about that. But you know, right back to where I was as a kid. But now it's my kids. But how are you doing, pal? Busy, yeah. Been uh, been uh, working on the van. I'm I'm really close. You got to see it. I got to. I'll send you some updated pictures. I started doing the wheels, so I took off the wheels. I painted them. Okay, it's, uh, it's looking good. Looks, okay. looks a little well, DIY, but I like that authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're all about authenticity. Um, you know, you should share it with our viewers too. Like, uh, yeah. don't be shy. Everyone out there wants to know the progress of the van. Although many people in the valley are shooken up by the fact that Vanessa's only now one of two vans in your parking lot. And it does call into question your fidelity. Um, but uh, actually, let's bring Axel Christensen on right now. Axel, how you doing? Good, good. Yeah, good to see you. Now, you guys may not know this, but if you look carefully, you know, you will might detect that we are related and we are, in fact, full brothers. Uh, you know, I changed my name uh, as an author about 20 30 years ago. So Axel, it's Axel Christensen, um, Norman Cody, but I grew up as Norman Christensen and we are brothers. And Axel, where are you talking to us from? From Westbrook, Maine. Cool. And you look like you're in, like, where are you? So talk to us. I'm in the family room of like a house that looks exactly like it did in like 1962, maybe. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, those drapes. I think those drapes are I awesome. Those drapes are right? something. I like it. I those like great it. drapes? Yeah. That's like something you could put in your van. Now, <laughs> just, just before we move on, I just want to say that, you know, my brother Axel has uh, his building campers that fit on the back of pickup trucks, etc. And and they're really quite elaborate and cool. Waylon. My guy. Is, my guy. Yeah, well, yeah because Waylon's, 
He's, actually, I don't know if you know these like 1988 Toyota vans. They're really cool looking. They have the snub nose. They almost look like kind of science fiction-y. Do you know those yeah, Toyota yeah, yeah. babies? Like a Previa or something? Exactly. Yeah. It, was a precursor. it was the precursor to the Previa. Yeah, okay, but way, okay. way cooler. And Waylon's got now two of those. And he's, he's decking out the back of his new one with wood and sleeper and stuff like that. So you guys at another time can really talk shop. Yeah, you can rent yeah. those out for big money. They rent Westies out up here for a lot of money a day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting, Will. An interesting side revenue situation. Well, me driving it around probably depreciates the value considerably. So <laughs> no one wants to sit in the same place with my butt sat. Well, when you rent it, you have to not go with the family that rented it. It's like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Come with the man. Yeah, Waylon, you can be a tour guide, man. You'd be excellent as a tour guide. All right. So, folks, we're doing this Politico series, and we're looking at different pieces every day, uh, if you've been following us, and want to say hi to everyone out there on the Valley and WMUA Amherst. Um, shall we look at this one? Now, now, we've been just kind of like going through them, and so I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do today. And then earlier today, I was looking at it, and I was like, this is actually kind of a barn burner. So I'm going to read it. Is that okay, Waylon? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. So this is called Regulatory Barriers to Online Tools Will Fall. And it's by Catherine uh, Mangu Ward. She's the editor-in-chief of Reason Magazine. And she writes, COVID-19 will sweep away many of the artificial barriers to moving more of our lives online. Not, not everything can become virtual, of course. But in many areas of our lives, uptake on genuinely useful online tools has been slowed by powerful legacy players, often working in collaboration with overcautious bureaucrats. Medicaid allowing billing for telemedicine was long overdue change, for instance, as was revisiting the HIPAA to, print more, to permit more medical providers to use the same tools the rest of us use daily to communicate, Skype, FaceTime, email. The regulatory bureaucracy might have dragged its feet on this for many years, uh, if not for this crisis. The resistance led by, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, okay. The resistance led by teacher unions and politicians beholden to them to allowing partial homeschooling or online learning for K-12 uh, kids has been swept away by necessity. It will be near impossible to put that genie back in the bottle in the fall, with many families finding that they prefer full or partial homeschooling or online homework. For many college students, returning to an expensive dorm room on a depopulated campus will not be appealing, forcing massive changes in a sector that has been ripe for innovation for a long time. And while not every job can be done remotely, many people are learning that the difference between having to put on a tie and commute for an hour or working efficiently at home was always just the ability to download one or two apps plus permission from their box. Once companies sort out their remote work dance steps, it will be harder and more expensive to deny employees those options. In other words, as it turns out, an awful lot of meetings and doctor's appointments and classes really could have been uh, an email, and now they will be. Whoa. Now, I apologize for the length of, of that, but it's, uh, it's a big piece. What do you guys think about this? There's kind of pieces within it, but uh, any first thoughts on it? Um, well, mine is that there's a lot of postulating in all these that we're, we're reading, and I think the answer is always somewhere in the middle is basically what I'm coming down to. I think that we are, I think that we're, we are going to see a shift in uh, a little bit more of the use of remote meetings and things like that, but not necessarily because we've, we've kind of understood that we can do them that way, but it's because we now have through the through the means of necessity 
uh, learned and trained on these. And I think that educate the that first hurdle of education is a huge hurdle to get over. And so not if you really think about it, when was an actual time that you learned how to zoom? You just kind of picked it up and learned it from trial and error. And so we're seeing more people learn and get trained on this by virtue of that necessity. And I think that that's why we can start moving towards uh, having these remote remote meetings. And I think that people are going to want to, to do that uh, for uh, just because it's, it's easier at, at some points, too. And it will reduce cost as well. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Axel, what about you? What are you thinking on this? Well, I think... A big challenge is going to be, I have someone who's been working for me part-time building the campers, and we tried to make it work by having her um, not, you know, like work on in the shop on her own and work on one of the houses on her own. And in the end, it kind of made me crazy because without any soup, without a certain amount of supervision and interaction around the thing she was working on, I had no way of knowing whether she was working efficiently or not and in no way of telling her how to do it more efficiently. So in the end, we had to give up on that until things get in better. I mean, and I'm very I'm very tight on money, so I have to be very careful. The other thing I would say to that is I used to do software and we did um, scrums, you know, agile development, and that is extremely effective at shaming you if you don't do your work and and kind of like eliminating the need for a manager because you all peer manage. It's very unpleasant and people complain about it a lot, but I do think it's very effective as a way of like keeping you, keeping the, you know, your toes in the fire as it were. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So you're kind of saying, I'm hearing two things from you. One is as a boss, it's very hard for you to, to know unless you're with the person, whether they're moving forward. And that's a very, you have a kind of a small operation going. And it's not software, it's very physical. And so it's something you have to see. But but also in software now, there's, and this is, I just want to side note this. The, I've been listening to this podcast, Philosophize This a lot. Waylon knows that piece. I've been talking about it. I he started listening to, to it, by the way. Oh, dude, it's good, right? Oh, I'm, I, I'm 12 uh, episodes deep. It's awesome. Hey, Waylon, you got to give it to me. Everything I recommend to you pretty much is a good thing. I'll give it okay. to you. Yep. Yeah. That was a good one. And uh, Waylon, do yourself a favor. Listen to the Foucault one. There's two episodes. Um, and Foucault talks about the panopticon where everyone's watching one another. This was something that was, I think, Jeremy Bentham invented as a prison where, like, someone could watch everybody from the center. So that it's just on a side note that the, the software thing that you were talking about sounds like that. And of course, there's a lot of, like Facebook is very much like that. Like everyone's kind of watching each other and like and, and Foucault would say, well, this is like this is kind of bad because this is like totalitarianism where we all kind of enforce it upon each other in terms of like what we're saying or what we're doing. Like um, and your description of it sounds not so good, Axel. Right. Like you said it was very unpleasant, effective, but unpleasant. It's un it's always going to be unpleasant. When you work hard, when you wipe yourself at your job out at your job, there's a certain level of that's unpleasant. And but the pleasant thing is you get money and sometimes job satisfaction. Well, so let, me, think, let me dig in a little deeper, Axel, because I feel like you've had experience with this. Are you saying that that method in which, like, you're not really being managed, but your team is demanding stuff of you? Do you think that that in the end that's like actually pretty good means to get production? Yeah, I what yeah, I was no. I was saying was people hate it 
but I think it's very effective. Okay, but okay, so let me just put a pause on that. If people hate it, I get that it's effective, but if if everyone hates it, aren't they just unhappy all the time? Or no, I don't think so. I think I, I'm. It's good you're getting me to clarify. Um, they complain about it a lot. Okay, well, and this is not uncommon. We we get this in education uh, a lot. I, I stay out of the teachers' lounge as much as possible because that can be a pretty common thing. So people complain about whoever they have to answer to, whether it's a peer or, yeah, Waylon. I, I do want to say this. I mean, in, in, I don't want to switch gears or anything, but there's a, there's a lot going on in this um, in, yes. in, in regards to regulatory barriers and everything. I think that uh, we're, yeah, we, we've seen in a row, the thing that we have to really be careful of is we, in the reaction to this, the pandemic, we are to a certain extent sacrificing certain uh, certain freedoms and privacies. And you have to you have to kind of carefully think about those and think about the consequences of, of doing so. And I think that that's what the heart of the regu- regulatory barriers and kind of putting the brakes on. And again, I fall into the middle of this. So like we were talking before, uh, Department of Education in New York bans the use of Zoom. How much is that going to is that going to be uh, more harmful, or is it going to is it going to have negative impacts to, to, or in the greater scheme of things? While at the same time, there was a lot of privacy concerns around Zoom. They were not prepared for a whole bunch of people uh, utilizing the their their systems in 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 the ways that we were that we were, and so uh, there. I kind of again fall into this kind of centrist idea of all of this. Yes, it's in times in which uncertainty and, and the anxieties are, are heightened, and we're trying to find new means of methods. You don't want that that red tape in your way. While at the same time, you really have to understand what those user licenses are saying and what is happening with that data. Uh, and unfortunately, no one ever ever reads the end user um, license agreements. So yeah. it's, it's something where I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know. Yeah, the answer. But, you know, the point that you're making is really valid though is, and I, I don't think she would necessarily even disagree with you. I think she'd probably be like, you're right. Like there is reason for regulation and consequences we don't understand. And the timidity comes from the fact that like just the kind of things you might be worried about, she might be, I think, but I do think she's saying, it doesn't matter now because this has forced everything through regulatory barriers that won't be able to kind of go up again. It would be very hard to erect them again. So I think she would agree with you. I think you're making a really good point about the need for regulation. I mean, we've been talking about, you and I, Waylon, have had episodes about internet privacy and internet regulation. And, you know, six months ago or a year ago, everyone was saying we need more regulation. We need more privacy. But that's all just been blown to cinders uh, now. And, you know, I have to say, just as a teacher, uh, she frightens me a little bit. Like, there's part of me that's like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. Like, when parents go back in the fall, teachers go back, um, kids go back in the fall, uh, you know, like, I believe in school. Like, I personally, I don't mean school for everybody. There are online schools for students who do not want to go into that building. But I believe in it. I'm also a teacher. And so it scares me when she says that that's going to change fundamentally. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. The education aspect. Are, are we yeah. seeing the well, I, I, just one of one of the things? I mean, what we started with was uh, if we're talking about 
education here was on Axel's side is the vocational aspects. And I don't, and, and I think that you need that what this has shown and the vocational stuff that I do as a technology teacher. And I think that it's shown that the necessity in actual, that, 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 that physical interaction and, and operating within the same space. Uh, I've seen, I've been doing multiple meetings a week with my technology students that do their, their journalism, their weekly news uh, video program. And it's not the same caliber that we're used to because we're not in occupying the same space and collaborating and, and bouncing ideas off of each other. There is no one at, after school when you're trying to set up a camera that has a, a few extra minutes to help you out. And on 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 to Axel's point, I agree that there's certain things that you need to that certain information and, and and knowledge that you need to transmit by by simply occupying that same space and having the supervision uh, as a as a supervisor having that monitoring and supervision aspect of it too, and so. Uh, yeah, I think that there's been a uh, limitation in the the accountability that you can have via remote stuff. For instance, in a lot of meetings that I've that I've uh, that I've been a part of, I'm surfing the web and I'm doing a whole bunch of other things while 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 simultaneously listening to this to to this um to what's going on, and I'm not comprehending everything that I would had I followed the etiquette of an in-person meeting. So I think there's a, there's a few things that are going on and for, for education. I think it's easier to, to say that this, the genie's out of the bottle when it comes to individuals that, uh, that are doing things in a kind of theoretical mindset, and they can think about abstract ideas and just pitching cer certain things. But when it gets down to the brass and tacks of actually operating in some sort of manufacturing, industrial design, I think that there's something that can't be substituted there. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say for our listeners and viewers, Waylon did all of that dialogue while playing Minecraft. <laughs> actually, he's actually yep. playing Minecraft over there while talking to us. I just so mined like four gold ore right there. So, well, so yeah. Waylon, you, you were talking about something very much I was thinking is that as teachers, a big advantage you have is you have the students locked down in their seats. And as long as they're not able to play with their phones, they have to pay attention to you. And I've been in enough classes of the things that I was not so good at, where that was the only way I was going to listen was zoning out for 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes and like picking up a little bit, then zoning out, just being forced to like interact with it. And I wonder what you guys think about how, how are you going to keep that up when, yeah, you can go off and play Minecraft and you can surf away for the entire meeting. Well, you know, it's a good question. And I think the, the answer right now is that we're really not demanding very much of the students at all. Like the bar is so low and there's almost, there's only one hour a week where we're actually in the same Zoom room with them. That's the answer for right now. I, I really hope that we go back to school before the end of the year, uh, even if it's for two weeks or three weeks, because I think the students, a lot of students need to re-regulate back into a classroom for their own sake. You know, they need to like come back and just even go through the, the bell of schedule because five or six months for a lot of these students without this could really lead, in my sense, uh, to some harm. Wayland? I, also, I think that the thing that we, we haven't discussed that's kind of irre irreplaceable to the, to the online tools that we've been using is the social nuances that are so important in education. I always tell people that it's it, more so than I am. Uh, uh, I want you to uh, understand and fully comprehend the technology academics that in curriculum that I've developed. I want you to be a good person, and mm -hmm. coming with good person is understanding 
how to operate within society and in communities in that in-person in-person way, how to deal with an individual that may be frustrating or annoying that's sitting next to you, how to, um, how to hold yourself accountable and personally responsible when you're working in those group dynamics and you, and you have the opportunity to communicate face-to-face some hard truths and some victories at the same time. And so there's certain thing, and that's how people get by in society. I don't care what profession you're in, there's a universal intellect intellectual knowledge that you need to comprehend from in-person experiences that's kind of missing from this, especially when it comes down to the the regulatory barriers when we're talking about uh, exactly what you were talking about. The, I mean, and again, I agree with it, but it's hard to operate a class online when you can't, when, when it's not mandatory or you can't get access to everybody at the same time. And so these things that are, the, the, that, that those barriers that we put in place that we need because of equity reasons are also causing in students that do have access to, to my, my live lectures and stuff not to come because they don't see, because they're thinking about it inherently as a grade or extrinsically as a grade rather than inherently as some knowledge that they need. And so it's been, it's those, those regulatory barriers have been a little bit frustrating because they've, they've introduced a really low bar for compliance of what we need to do as, as, as teachers and and what we need to do in society. Yeah. I do think you, you got to be careful when you use the word regulatory barriers. I mean, I get what you're saying, um, but I don't know. There's the electronic ones and then there's the like, equity, equality, and educational ones. That's a whole other uh, ball of wax. I mean, my anxiety or fear is, listen, I've done online courses. I think they're terrible. I can't, you know, I had to do them for college. I did not like them. Um, My worry is more a little bit, and I'm not that worried, but because why bother, but is that people will just uh, accept a lesser version because it's more expedient. I'll give you just a quick example. When I was a tour guide in New York City, uh, towards the end, they started automating the tours. And, and, you know, from the company's perspective, this made all the sense in the world because they wouldn't pay us. They wouldn't have to pay tour guides. They wouldn't have to give us insurance or anything like it. It's a huge money saver. Is it as good as a good tour guide? No, but there are a lot of bad tour guides too. And so once people get used to like, no, that's just what it is. The double deck buses is a radio tour. And then they're like, well, I guess I'll take it anyways because that's the only game in town. So my worry would be, that like people just get used to a, a kind of uh, desaturated version of life and it's expedient and we all get to stay home in our pajamas. You know, this is my concern. It's not that it's better or even comparable, but it's acceptable. And that's what I would be looking at. Any thoughts on that? Well, that kind of merges in with something I was thinking, which is I think that the, students who would be hurt the most by not being forced in like like i said i needed to go to class a class that i hated to be there to be forced to think about it um but if it was a class i loved i had no problem so in a way i think you could divide what you just said into two groups of people the people who are really interested in having the full experience and they'll find a way to have the good tour with the good tour guide because they care so much about it. And then the other people who are going to be their parents who are not that concerned about their kids' education and will be like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. So that's a a small nuance, but I think that's a, in a world where we have a lot of divisions as it is, that's another pretty bad division where the oh, yeah. students who are falling off the bottom are going to fall off much worse. So, actually, you bring up a really good point. Um, 
and something of great concern. I, I agree with you. And when I talk about, I really want students to come back for the last two or three weeks of school, it's to that point. Uh, especially we have high school kids, but what about the third or fourth graders or the middle school kids? If they're not getting any kind of regulation elsewise outside of school, it's really key that that, that, that provides some structure. I know we like to sometimes rebel against oh, school, it's a factory and stuff like that, but there's a use there's a use for structure. And, and a lot of times the kids who you would think don't need the structure the most are the ones who need it the most, which I think is what you're saying, Axel. It's like, it's the kid who doesn't want to be there that's going to get the most by being forced to be there. Um, so I'm really praying that Governor Baker is able to get us back in by June 1st, just so that when September doesn't roll around, people aren't so unraveled. Waylon, what's your thoughts on that? Do you hear what I'm saying with that? Oh yeah, no. I mean, I'm 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 praying that we can. I mean, I don't. I don't. The pragmatic, like reality is, I think that we won't. Um, but I think it is super important. I also think that it's. Um, I think that it's important uh, to consider what we can and can't do aside from just the closing of schools. Right. So schools is one one piece of the, the 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 institutional system in which we've we've created, which if that cannot operate, I understand. But there's other means in which we can communicate and life can go on as normal. And I think that there's going to be certain kind of pressure valves that are opened and closed, depending on where we are in society. And we could, I hope that we can take advantage of those. If we can't take advantage of going back to school, but yeah, you can't, you can't have a substitute uh, for what's for, for any of this. And, and also I think that when, when you were talking about just going back to the point of uh, being in your pajamas and people becoming complacent in that, in that kind of new reality, I think that I've seen, and this is just anecdotally speaking, I'm, I'm about to look at uh, some teacher data and stuff on this, but I think that we, what we've seen is a kind of anxiety of, and frustration of impatience to get back to nor the society as we, we've been operating. So I think that it's not, I don't think that we're going to become complacent in this idea of binge watching Netflix. And this is going to, because we've experienced it, one, we've gotten into taste of this kind of the nectar of laziness. So we're going to continue on this, on that trajectory. I actually think it's going to be, wow, what a relief that we can go back to normal. And the, you know, that distance, literally distance makes the heart grow fonder. So when we don't have to be six feet apart from each other, we're going to uh, go back into society and appreciate the things that we were missing. This is your hope, and I really uh, like to echo it without knowing whether it's going to happen. I'd also like to push back on what something you said about it not being practical. You know, this event has been compared to the Second World War. Well, if you look at the Second World War, they had to make some very difficult decisions about things. Like when they broke the Nazi code, they had to let ships sail into death because they didn't want the Nazis knowing that they had broken the Enigma machine. So when we talk about what's practical or not, like I really hope society can stay open to the fact that everything has a consequence. You know, conceivably, we could just shut down everything for the next three years and just that, that would be the safest thing to do. So when we say that it's not practical to open the school in June, I think that uh, we really should we really need to like take a hard look at that and be like, well, maybe it's important and maybe the importance of one thing is, is, is a weight against the importance of this other thing, too. So I hope we're not just going on keeping absolutely everyone alive because I'll say it right now. I don't think because we know that an economic downturn can kill people and and not having kids back in school this year is 
really going to affect the quality of their lives moving forward. So I do want to push back. I think it is practical. And I actually think if you really weigh it closely, I don't know, but I think it's conceivable that you'd say, you know what, we are going to get the kids back in school in June and we are going to give them three weeks of structure. And then when they come back in the fall, I would, I would have to disagree with you on, on this premise. What you're talking about is some sort of benefit to society that is uh, that it's the way that we look at it is abstract in its philosophy against something that is very concrete in the data of uh, people that are infected and people that are dying, and so you you can't you can't weigh those two things in a, in a in a um, in a kind of productive discussion. So it's going to benefit the students to go back earlier, but it may also contribute to a temporary spike in the curve, hence death. So do you understand what I'm saying? It's like. The, it's, it would be very hard to to it, everything that we're doing right now is based on a conser, on, on conservative estimates and being overly cautious. And if we if if students if 900 students at Northampton High School don't have to go back to school for a month, it's going to and that would save even one life. Then that's going to be the decision made. If that, well, if that makes I don't sense. know. It's don't abstract know. versus concrete data that that you can't. Ha- it's it's hard to have that conversation. I guess I'm, it is hard to have that conversation. That's what I'm saying. Those are the conversations we're eventually going to have to have. There's nothing totally neat and clean about this. Um, like that's exactly what I'm saying. So, all right, folks. So we'll continue having these conversations as we move along. Um, they're big ones, and when it comes to school and getting back in school, it's uh, near and dear to me. Uh, I want to thank Axel for coming on. Thank you so much, brother. Oh, this is great. It's always good to see you. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the whale dog uh, with his van, he's going to get us photos. I am hypnotizing you guys with the free associates card. So remember, go to PayPal and give all of your remaining money to the free associates. It's so good to have you on the show. Uh, and look for us on the freeassociates.us is our website. We're podcasted all over the planet. In fact, the universe. And also we have our page, the Free Associates page on Facebook. Please like us. We like you. So you might as well go ahead and like us. And until next time, be well, stay healthy, stay connected, stay calm.